Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church. Well, happy Valentine's Day. This is a day for celebrating love. And as believers, we know that God is love. And he has commanded us, he's equipped us to love him with, with all that we are. And we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's how we live out God's purpose for our lives. Now, oftentimes we think of God's purpose for our lives on an individual level. What is God's purpose for my life? And that's fine, that's okay, because God does have a special purpose for each of our lives, a purpose that unfolds throughout a lifetime. But that purpose is not for us as an isolated person. God's purpose for every person is to, first of all, become a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and then God's purpose for every believer can only be fulfilled as part of a church family. Today, our message is entitled Spiritual Gifts in Action. And spiritual gifts are one of the most important reasons that we need to be part of a church family. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes that a local church can be compared to a human body. The head of the body, the church, is Christ. The members of the body are the individual believers in the church family. He goes on to say in verse 18, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And so as believers follow the Lord's leading, he arranges believers in his body, the church, according to the various giftings he's given them. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now this verse was written to the believers at the church in Corinth, but it applies to us today at Life Church. Each member of this church has a purpose, has a function within the church family. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians that each member has a spiritual gift or gifts. Now, in the Greek language, the word for spiritual gifts is charismata. The root word is charis, which means grace. And so spiritual gifts really are grace gifts that God gives to each believer. No one person has all the gifts, so we need each other in the body of Christ. Some gifts are decidedly supernatural, like the gift of miracles or healing. Other gifts have to do with the talents given by God, such as leadership and teaching. If a person in the body of Christ doesn't function in their gift, then the church is weaker. But the more each believer develops their gift, the stronger and more effective the church family becomes. Now, if a person is not part of a church family, not only are they not fulfilling their purpose, they're being deprived of the gifts of others in the church. Well, today we're going to talk more about God's purpose for each one of us in the church. First of all, God desires for us to pursue unity. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, which says, walk with all humility and patience and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the first half of Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 gives us spiritual principles. The second half, beginning in chapter 4, that we're looking at today gives us practical instruction. 
Now the goal of the instruction in the two verses we just read is to maintain the unity of the Spirit. To maintain the unity of the Spirit. And so God desires for the local church to be unified rather than divided. Unity cannot be achieved by human effort, but only through the work of the Spirit. And when there is unity, there is a peace that binds the members together. The first way to maintain unity is to walk with all humility. Humility is preferring others above yourself. The opposite is pride, which is preferring yourself over others. Not only are we to be humble, we are to be gentle and patient with one another. We are to bear with one another. Now, what does that mean to bear with one another in love? To bear with another person is, is to put up with their behavior and words that you perhaps don't really appreciate. And how do you do that? Well, we simply forgive others. We don't make an issue of their mistakes. Notice that we are to bear with one another in love. We know that God puts up with a lot of things in our lives. And so we also should, as the scripture says, overlook a multitude of faults. The opposite of following these instructions leads not to unity, but to division. Now, why does God desire unity in his church? Well, verse 4 says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So in these verses, what word is repeated over and over and stands out? It's, it's the word one. There is one Holy Spirit who cannot be divided. There is one universal body of Christ in the world that is meant to be unified. When someone disrupts the unity of a local church, the Bible instructs for them to be put out of the church so that, what? The unity can be maintained. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. God desires for his church to be unified, both at the local level and around the world. God is working in his church to bring about that unity and he will have it before Jesus returns. Notice that unity is only achieved with a common belief about Jesus, about faith, and about baptism based on the word of God. Unity is not achieved by everyone believing something different and then accepting those differences. God's word teaches the only truth, and as we walk in that truth by the Spirit, we will walk in unity. Unity is something we should be eager to maintain and to pursue. Now, what is each of our roles in pursuing unity? You might think that the pastor should be the one in, in charge of unity. Now, as we'll see, a pastor certainly has a role to play in pursuing unity in the church. However, each member of the church family also has a responsibility to walk in unity as well. Let's just look at some practical ways that will help each of us pursue the unity of the Spirit in our church. Unity begins in the relationship that each of us has with God and the Holy Spirit. As we are growing in our personal spiritual lives with God, we are growing in unity with the Holy Spirit. Now, what must we do to personally grow spiritually? Well, the answer is simple, but it's fiercely opposed by Satan, and that's 
what it makes rather difficult, what makes it rather difficult. To grow spiritually, you must daily take time to read God's word, to pray, and to put into practice or obey what you read. Now, if everyone in a church family is committed to doing that, they're going to have unity. And yet sometimes we think we're doing okay with the Lord, but we tend to have issues with other people. And so that's where we must follow Jesus' instructions to forgive and to be reconciled to one another. As we remember that no one is perfect, including ourselves, God will give us the grace to forgive and continue to pursue the unity of the Spirit. Now, God not only desires for us to pursue unity, but also to understand God's gifts for the church. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, in this passage in Ephesians 4, we see that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave grace gifts to the church. Now, we've seen in Acts chapter 2 that Jesus began to pour out this baptism in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, on everyone who would receive it after he ascended into heaven on the day of Pentecost. And in the passage we're looking at today, we see that Jesus gave each believer grace gifts to serve him with. Each person was given a, a different package, as it were, of grace gifts. And in this passage, God's word focuses on the grace gifts that equip leaders in the church. Verse 11 says, And he, that is Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so Jesus gave grace gifts to his church in the form of five different types of leaders. Each of these different types of leaders is functioning today in Jesus' church. The first is the apostle which refers to someone sent forth to a new place to spread the gospel and plant churches. Many missionaries today have an apostolic ministry to reach the, uh, the lost and the unreached. The second type of leader is the prophet who is gifted to prophesy God's will and his plans to his people. Now, not everyone who prophesies in a church, for everyone who is spirit baptized can prophesy, prophesy but not everyone who prophesies in a church is a prophet. Only those who have a significant prophetic ministry would be a prophet. A third type of leader is the evangelist who takes the gospel to the lost. These first three types of leaders could do ministry in a single local church, but often they minister in multiple areas and in multiple churches. Now the fourth type of leader is the shepherd. That is the pastor of a local church who shepherds God's people there. The teacher is someone who accurately teaches God's word, but is not in a leadership role over a local church. Now, there is not a clear-cut distinction between these different ministry callings. There is often some overlap. For example, most shepherd pastors are also teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. And what is the job of these God-given leaders? You would think it's their job to do all the ministry, but that's not what God's word says. The leader's ministry is to equip believers in the church family to do the work of the ministry. And so every believer in a local church should be involved in ministry in the church. Ministry is serving God and serving others in the church family. And when every believer is doing their part with their God-given gifts, the church, the body of Christ is built up 
and it grows. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's that word again. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness in Christ. And so this verse gives us the answer to what is the goal of this church growth. God's plan is for the church across the world to have a unity of faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. The worldwide church will become mature. It will function as Jesus intended before he returns. Now, are we there yet? Not by a long shot. There are many different types of churches that have different types of teachings. And that is not God's plan. And God is going to bring about huge changes in the church in the coming years. The true church across the world will be unified in faith and teaching before Jesus returns. Now, in other places, God's word speaks of false apostles, false prophets, and false teachers. And these false leaders will always exist, God's word tells us, but the true church will reject them. The true church will reject their false teaching and the false churches that they lead. God's leadership gifts for the church will ultimately bring unity through the Holy Spirit. Now today, even though we've been focusing on God's gifts of leaders in the church, he also gives spiritual gifts to every believer. And God desires for us to respect and rejoice in the spiritual giftedness of others. Each one of us as believers has different gifts from God. And our task is to discover our giftings and use them to serve God and others. How do you discover your spiritual gifts? Well, first of all, the Bible instructs us to earnestly desire and seek spiritual gifts. You're not going to discover them if you don't do that. And as we pray for them, God will begin to reveal them to us. Now, spirit baptism is an essential key to releasing the spiritual gifts that God has for you. And then God will guide you to begin learning to use those spiritual gifts to serve others. Everyone has spiritual gifts and God wants us to activate them. Respect. Listen to the leaders in the local church. They are there to help you to grow in God. As your pastor and teacher at Life Church, my heart is to equip each one of you to grow in God and to serve others with your gifts. And as each of us grows in using our spiritual gifts, we are going to grow and God's church is going to grow. Let's look a little more in detail about moving in spiritual gifts. We're going to look at a brief example from the life of Paul in the city of Ephesus. Acts 19 verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Wow. Paul was an apostle. He sent to take the gospel primarily to the Gentiles. And God was using Paul to do miracles. In fact, extraordinary miracles. In a way that I must confess I don't fully understand, handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul used had the power to heal the sick and cast out demons. Now we do know that all healing is a function of the Holy Spirit. So apparently the power of the Spirit was so powerful in Paul that somehow it that power remained in his clothing. And just as Jesus healed the sick, cast out demons, Paul was doing the same thing through the spiritual gifts that God had entrusted to him. 
Now, as we read all of Acts chapter 9, which I'd encourage you to do this week, we see that Paul was teaching the gospel every day in the city, as well as healing people. Now, in that area, in Ephesus, there were seven sons of a man named Sceva who were watching Paul and his ministry of casting out demons. And they wanted to do the same thing. So they tried to cast a demon out of someone by using Jesus' name, as Paul did. And what happened? Well, in verse 15, it says, But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? The evil spirit then caused this demonized man to attack these seven sons and severely hurt them. Now, what we learn from this example is that the power of the spirit is not dependent on saying just the right words or even using Jesus' name. The power of the Spirit only flows through those who are believers and filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, through the Spirit, had power over the demons, but these seven sons had none of the Spirit's power and so paid the price. Verse 17 says, And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. So everyone in the area heard this story. They, were, they feared God. They praised Jesus Christ. And many became believers. They repented of their ungodly practices. Many were involved in occultic magic. And they burned their occult books in a huge bonfire. And this was a sign of true repentance, of turning away from their old way of life. Now this incident was part of Paul the Apostle's work in Ephesus over a two-year time period where he planted a church, and helped the church there to grow. And God wants each of us to learn to move in spiritual gifts. Now, before we dismiss this story, it's not applying to us, let's, let's think about it a bit more. Yes, Paul was probably the greatest apostle we read about in the Bible. And yet, Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians to be imitators of him as he follows Jesus. Now, probably none of us is going to heal someone with our handkerchiefs. But that's not the point. The first point is that healing and deliverance is, is still God's will in this world. We see it not only in the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Paul, but other people not, who are not even apostles throughout the New Testament. And how can we figure out if we have the gift of healing, for example? Well, there are sick people all around us, are there not? Begin to pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who are stuck in addictive habits. Bring people who need to be healed to church so we can pray for them. The leaders of the church can pray for them. And believe. Believe that God still works miracles and still heals people today. God desires to show more of his power in our lives and through our church. Let's pray that we have the faith to move in spiritual gifts in a greater dimension this year. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a perfect unity in the Trinity. He desires for our church, Life Church, to grow in unity with one another. Unity comes as each of us continues to grow to become more and more like Jesus. God also desires for his church across the world to be to be unified in beliefs and the knowledge of Jesus. You see, that's part of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Heaven is perfectly unified. God wants his church to be unified on earth. And as we pray and grow in our spiritual giftings and follow our leaders, that unity will grow. And one day Jesus will return. When will that happen? When the gospel has been preached to the ends of the earth and the church is unified in the Holy Spirit. And finally, God's word is filled with examples of God's people, of believers doing supernatural things through spiritual gifts. Don't count yourself out. Each of us has spiritual gifts given to us by God. And God desires for us to discover them and to use them for his glory. Well, this morning, I want to give an opportunity for everyone listening to, to repent and become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, we're going to pray in a minute, and I'm going to encourage you to pray with me and, and to be born again. Perhaps you've made a commitment in the past and you've wandered away from that commitment and you want to get back on track with God. This would be good for you to pray, to recommit your life to Jesus Christ as well this morning. First of all, you need to admit that you've sinned, turn away from that sin or repent of it. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you and rose from the dead. And finally, commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord. So let's pray together. Father, today we admit that we've sinned, we've done wrong things. We followed our own plan for our lives rather than yours. Please forgive us. We believe that Jesus died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He paid the price for our sins. He rose from the dead and we put our faith and trust in Jesus to forgive our sins. And we commit our lives to following him, the risen Lord, as our Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word this morning about your church, about believers. God, we pray that we would pursue unity, God, that we would uh, not do anything that would cause divisions in your body, in the church. We pray, God, that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you, with your spirit. And as we do, your love would be shown through us to those around us. And so maintain the unity of the spirit in all of our relationships. God, we thank you for the gifts that you've given to the church. We thank you for the leaders that you've given in our local church and in the wider areas of church around the world. We thank you for each of those leaders that is following you and accurately teaching and proclaiming your word. We thank you for the spiritual gifts that you made available to each and every believer. We pray that you'd help us to discover those gifts and to put them into practice. And finally, God, we, we, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that the gospel is spreading around the world. And we pray, God, that more and more people would come to you through the missionaries that we support, and through your work, through Life Church right here in St. Louis. We thank you for the many people that you are calling to be saved in this coming year of 2021. We pray that they would be sensitive to the call of your spirit and would come to know you in this, in this important year. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us. 
via the link below this video. We'll pray for you, offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are open at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at give.lcstl.org. Uh, and the link is also available on our website. Next Sunday, we're going to continue our message series, Live Out God's Purpose, with the message, Walk in the Light. And we invite you to join us then, either in person or online. God bless and have a great week.